Have you ever heard this concept that your life is not your own? Well, if that's true, says Trent Griffith, there are a few important implications. Every individual one day will be called to give an account of what we have done with that which God has given to us. And so we need to understand the accountability, the responsibility to do with God's stuff what he would do with his stuff if he were here physically. That's the responsibility that we have been entrusted with. Well, Happy New Year, and welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So think for a moment about your job, your work. What kind of responsibilities do you have? What does your boss expect of you? Even if you're self-employed or maybe you're between jobs right now, or maybe you're a full-time mom, you still have plenty of things that you need to do, don't you? Well, it's safe to say that responsibility is part of being an adult. But have you ever considered what your spiritual responsibilities are? Pastor Trent will be encouraging us to do that today. This message was recorded as part of an online gathering in the spring of 2020. So let's listen together. Here's Pastor Trent. Let me ask you this question. During this pandemic, have you been tempted to wonder, could this be the end of the world? I mean, I read about these plagues in the Bible and I read the apocalyptic literature about how God sends judgment and it sure does seem like he's, he's doing some stuff and I wonder if this could be the end. I wonder if Jesus is coming back. All in favor of Jesus coming back, say amen. Uh, all in favor of that happening before I finish this message, say amen. I'm right there with you. But you know, as we look in the scripture for the answer to the question, when is Jesus coming back? We don't ever find an answer. That's not the right question. The right question is not, when is Jesus coming back? The right question is this, what should I do until he returns? Wrong question, when is Jesus going to return? Right question, what am I supposed to be doing until he returns? And that is the subject of the text we're about to read here in Luke chapter 19. Jesus has to deconstruct some of our irresponsibility as we just sit around waiting for Jesus to do whatever Jesus is going to do. Jesus didn't want us to think like that. Jesus didn't want us to think like, you know, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. There's nothing I can do. I'm not responsible for this mess. Jesus, you just come back and do it. Well, he instructs his servants that we are to take responsibility in between the time that he ascended to his throne in heaven and the time when he will return. And I want you to see that here from the scripture. Let's begin reading in Luke chapter 19. I'll give you the first point of the message. It's this, take inventory and ask this question. What have you been given? Luke 19, beginning in verse 11. 
As they heard these things, and of course, those are the things related to Zacchaeus in the previous passage where Jesus said he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. As they heard these things, Jesus proceeded to tell them a parable, a story, because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. You have to understand, Jesus at this time is in Jericho, just about 35 miles south of Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem for the final time. It's where he's going to die on a cross, be placed in a tomb, raised on the third day. And those that had been listening to his teaching were anticipating this being the climactic moment of human history where Jesus would come as the Messiah to declare he is king of Israel, king of the world, kick out the oppressive Romans who were uh, putting pressure on the, the Jews as the nation of Israel. They were looking for a political Messiah to come and make their lives easier and to take the throne. Why were they thinking this way? They were thinking that way because they knew their Bibles. If you've ever taken time to read the first three quarters of your Bible, you'll discover there are books in there written by men who are identified as prophets. And those prophets gave the forecast for what the Messiah's ministry would be. He would come as a servant and ultimately... He would take his place as king of the world on a throne unrivaled by enemies to rule and to reign forever. And so even though there's doom and gloom as you ride the roller coaster of the ups and the downs of the Israel nation, that's what the first three quarters of your Bible is all about. It ultimately points us, almost all of those prophets at the end of their books point to a coming day. When there will be a king who will come and reign unrivaled over all creation. And of course, we know that's Jesus. And so when Jesus came the first time, these followers of Jesus are looking for him to do that ultimate climactic victory. But they're simply thinking about it in terms of a political victory to overcome the oppression of the Romans. And Jesus wants them to know, that's not all I'm here for. And so he continues, look in verse 12. He said, therefore, a nobleman, here's the story, made up story, mythical story. Jesus is telling a parable. A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Do you see the movement? There's a king who came into a country He left that country and then he returned. And of course, this is talking about Jesus leaving his throne in heaven, coming to earth. He only was here for 33 years on the planet and then he ascended to his father back into heaven. You and I live in the time in between Jesus' first coming and his return at his second coming. When Jesus came the first time, He inaugurated his kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is here. So when Jesus came, the kingdom of God came with it. The rule and the reign, the authoritative voice and rule and control of Jesus over all things. He inaugurated that 2,000 years ago when he came. But he will not consummate his kingdom 
until he returns the second time. You and I live in the space in between. And Jesus wants to teach us what we're to do until he returns through this story. Now, I want you to notice here in verse 13 what he says. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. Now, a mina was a currency, the way that we would think about dollars. And a mina in that currency was about three months wages. It was a very large amount of money. So, I don't know, let's just pick a figure. If you make $5,000 a month and you multiply that by three, you've got about $15,000 here. Can you imagine the wad of cash $15,000 would look like to you? And Jesus is telling the story. Imagine 10 servants coming and God distributes to them $15,000 each. And then he continues, he says, and he said to them, engage in business until I come. Now, the business that he's speaking of, symbolically in the story, is not your business, not, not your business that you go to work and make a profit for. He's talking about the business God is in. God is engaged in the business of this broken world. And we already know what his business is. It was in the previous story when he said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the business that God is in. And what Jesus is telling us is he wants you to be engaged in his business and to use what God has given us to do business that God is interested in. So he continues in verse 14, it says, but his, his citizens hated him and, and they sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. You can see the kingdom language reigning. We don't want this man to be our king. And that's true for every one of us. There is something in the human heart, certainly in my heart, that wants King Trent to reign over all things. I, I love it when people come and, and bow down to me, and I love it when people come and surrender to me, and I love it when people praise me the way they would a king. And that's true of you as well. There's something in us that doesn't want any other king to sit on the throne in our hearts. And he identifies these people as his citizens. Later on, we're going to find out he identifies them as his enemies. And so he continues in verse 15. It says, uh, when he returned, remember the, the, the king has gone off to a far country. He's left this pile of money for his servants, tells them to do business. And it says, when he returns... Having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Mark it down. Every individual one day will be called to give an account of what we have done with that which God has given to us. And so we need to understand the accountability, the responsibility to do with God's stuff what he would do with his stuff if he were here physically. That's the responsibility that we have been entrusted with. Do you understand? Jesus has given you massive responsibility to engage in his business 
to do with his stuff what he would do with his stuff if he was physically here. And we're to do that until he returns and we don't know when that's going to be. We should live today engaged in God's business as if tomorrow he's coming to call us to give an account for it. So this is the question I would ask you. What have you been given? Let's just take inventory right now and let me give you five categories to think through, maybe even to make a list as God brings things to mind. First of all, when he talks about giving us a gift, the first thing that he's given us is life itself. It's the very breath that we breathe. Do this with me right now. Everybody breathe in a breath and blow it out. Do you realize the breath that you just inhaled is a gift from God more significant than a pile of minas or dollar bills? That was a gift. And the only thing God would need to do for you not to be able to breathe in the next breath is simply not give it. Every breath is a gift. Every heartbeat is a gift. Every second that you are alive is a gift. And do you know what God wants you to do with that breath and that heartbeat and that second? He wants you to engage in his business. Now, of course, there's a lot of things that we do. We have responsibilities, but the most important responsibility we have is the responsibility to use our lives for the purpose which God intended it, to reflect His glory. And so the way that I live, the way that I move, the way that I talk, the way that I think is either going to be something that's going to demonstrate I'm responsible for that breath in a way that gives glory to God, or it's going to be simply be consumed on me. So are you using your life responsibly? Are you taking responsibility for that which you have been given? How about this second category, your family? Um, God could have chosen to get us on planet Earth any way he wanted to. For all of us, you have a mother, you have a father, you've been placed in a family, and some of you are in step families, and, and some of you may not have chosen the mother or the father that God used to get you on the planet, but we're in that family unit. And some of us are parents, we have children for which we are responsible. For some of us, uh, we have aunts and uncles and, and we have this influence in our family. Uh, we need to take responsibility for loving them for creating a sense of family. Some of you have friends and, 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 and co-workers for which you feel like your family. And you need to take responsibility for being the best possible friend and family member in that home, in that unit. How about this third category, influence. All of us have a mind, all of us have a circle of influence, places that you go, teams that you play on, workplaces that you go to. All of us have a voice to be able to influence what happens in that environment. If you never speak up, if you never speak truth into places maybe that are filled with lies, if you are never light in the midst of darkness, you're not taking responsibility. Take responsibility for that environment that God has put you into. Here's another category, wealth. 
If you've ever heard this parable before, it's probably been a time when some preacher like me has talked to you about how you're spending your money, how you're saving your money, and of course, how you're giving your money. Well, that may or may not be the main point of this passage, but it's certainly something that Jesus wasn't shy to talk about. And he talked about how he is the one that gives us the power to make wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 18 says, don't think that it's somehow your ingenuity and your brain. It is the Lord your God who gives you the power to make wealth. And every dime is a gift. And God wants all of it invested in his Business, And so how we spend, how we save, how we, how we give should be a vital part of taking responsibility. Here's a final category. It's the revelation of God himself. It's God's self-disclosure of himself. It's, it's his written word that we have in front of us. It's his Holy Spirit that illuminates that word. Every word that you've ever read in Scripture is a gift of God to reveal to you his will and his ways. Every sermon you've ever heard preached, every time somebody's ever prayed for you, every opportunity you've ever had to come to church or view biblical content online, we have a responsibility every time we hear it to respond in faith and repentance. So take inventory. And you know, the first response from our heart ought to be just gratefulness to God. Thank you, God, for my life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the influence that you've given me. Thank you for every dime. And thank you for your word. Take inventory and be grateful. Here's the second point, And this is the final point. Take responsibility and ask this question. What are you doing with what you have been given? So the second point, take responsibility. What are you doing with what you have been given? The story continues here, and he tells um, a less flattering illustration. He says this, When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first one came saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. Now, I want you to notice something. He didn't say, my mina has made 10 minas more. Good servants understand that it all belongs to God. Even though he's given it to us, it's still his. So your mina has made 10 mores, verse 17. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. Underline that, faithful in a very little thing. You shall have authority over 10 cities, verse 18. And the second came to him and said, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. And so do you understand what's happening here? Jesus is teaching us a principle. Faithful responsibility of God's stuff today will be rewarded with proportionate degrees of responsibility in the future. Now, if your idea of heaven is lazily sitting on a cloud playing a harp for the rest of eternity, you do not understand the kingdom of heaven. We don't have all the details, but it's going to be a place where God's servants have massive responsibility. We just read, the one who made 10 minas is going to have responsibility over 10 cities. The one who made five is gonna have 
a proportionate amount of responsibility in the kingdom of heaven. And he says to him, well done, good servant. You've been faithful in a very little thing. Now, if you're like me, you want God to give you big stuff. You want big influence. You want big responsibility. And I think those are aspirations that are God-given. But I want you to notice what Jesus says about his servants. He says, those who are faithful in the little responsibilities will be given more responsibility. And you know what? This is what I've discovered. Things that have seemed like very little responsibilities to me have actually turned out to be great big tests to see if I can handle and be entrusted with great big responsibility. Are you doing some very little things right now for which you feel unappreciated, unthanked, unnoticed? Are you raising kids and just faithfully making sure they get fed and cleaned and survive the day? Are you faithfully just trying to live within your means on the budget, not spending more than you make? Are you faithfully giving maybe what you think might be just a little, but putting God first in your finances? Do you understand it's that kind of faithfulness in little things that God is looking for to entrust more responsibility and more things to? That's what Jesus is teaching us in this parable. Be faithful in the little things. It kind of reminds me of the 23-year-old version of me. Um, 23 years old, I was a seminary graduate. I had just received my master's degree in religion, and I was excited about ministry. I was excited about launching out, getting into a church ministry where I could make disciples. And I remember for about a year from the time that I graduated until the time that I finally was offered a ministry position was about a year. And during that year, I just needed to make some money. I just needed to survive. And so I basically spent between 10 o'clock at night until about four o'clock in the morning, cleaning office buildings, scrubbing toilets, emptying trash, vacuuming up everybody else's mess. And there were so many times late in the night, I'm thinking, God, really, really, this is, this is the responsibility you're entrusting me with? Is, do you think I might be, I could handle something more than scrubbing a toilet? And I am absolutely convinced that I would never have been entrusted with some of the responsibilities I have now without that season of trying to be faithful in very little things. I'm headed down this narrow road Chosen by a few And all that I know is You told me to follow you I'm taking a risk and leaving it all Not knowing what I'll go through But I'm not alone as long as I Chase you, Lord, I'm gonna show 
What a great reminder as we start off the new year. That's Mariah Peters expressing her resolve, and it should be all of ours, to run the race in such a way that we hear him say, well done. Before that, we heard from Trent Griffith of Gospel City Church, encouraging us to deconstruct irresponsibility. While the new year is a time when many of us try to turn over a new leaf and form some better habits, maybe you're going to try to exercise more or eat better, and there's nothing wrong with that. Or maybe you're on the more cynical side and you don't want to make any New Year's resolutions because you know from experience that they won't last past the middle of January. Well, I get that. No matter where you fall on that spectrum, we do need to keep the bigger picture in mind, don't we? We don't know what 2021 is going to be like. You know, think back a year ago. There's no way that any of us could have anticipated what 2020 turned out to be. And well, it's no different this year, is it? But regardless of what the future holds, we can resolve to live in a way that honors the Lord. Trent will finish up this message next week right here on Resonate. The church where he's senior pastor is Gospel City Church, and we gather online and in person. That means you can join us at Gospel City and worship along with us. For more information about gathering times, just look up mygospelcity.org. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And there's so much more on Facebook. So why don't you follow us there by searching for Gospel City Church? Well, all of us as humans sometimes run from responsibility, don't we? Next week on Resonate, Pastor Trent will show us some of the excuses that we make. Excuses for our irresponsibility. It's actually a helpful and thought-provoking list. Well, thanks for listening today. I hope your New Year's weekend is a safe one. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word and spiritual responsibility would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.